This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. You uh, find yourself at episode number 177 by my count. I'm Eric Branson. With me as always, my friends and co-hosts, Joe Peterson and Ryan Steiskel. How's it going tonight, guys? Gobble, gobble. Good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> gobble, Happy gobble is a very interesting way to go about it, because what we were talking about and the things <laughs> and how to gobble, gobble, I can't scrape seafood. from my mind. Yeah. yeah. Seafood. Yeah. Yeah, gobble gobble seafood. Yeah. yeah. But if you anyway, so happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and uh, this is our Thanksgiving special. And uh, the only thing really special about it, since it's two weeks until Thanksgiving when we're recording it, <laughs> is that uh, this is the second episode we've recorded tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, that too, and we're on a, we're on a, a double header today with our recordings. Um, we got to get out by six. We got to catch a flight to Chicago by six. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, special because we uh, had you, the listeners, actually choose what the you thought the best Thanksgiving movie was, and uh, we're going to check that one out tonight. But first, before we get to that, um, is there anything you guys uh, want to quickly um, chat about? We didn't do this last week, but chat about it. Have you seen anything recently that uh, it's worth um, recommending, or I don't know, just anything you guys have been up to? I, or I, um, I did. Actually, I saw a f- a movie uh, on Netflix the other day that was pretty good. It was called Passing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it, but yeah, yeah, it's um, it's actually uh, excuse me, it's based on the um, nineteen twenty nine novel, same name by Nella Larson, uh, and it it it's excellent. It stars Tessa Thompson and uh, Ruth Nega and Andre Holland and um, Alexander Skarsgård too. As soon as he shows up, you're just like, oh, this is going to be bad. Um, <laughs> it, no, it's it's interesting. It's just it's about African-American women passing as white women in the 1920s. Uh, so oh. it's it's a mm. really, really intense movie. It's very powerful, but it was one thing that was like my wife and I take turns like getting the kids tucked in at night kind of a thing and it was her night to relax and so I came down and she was just starting it and it was one of those oh what are you watching and you just get sucked into it so yeah. highly recommended highly recommended very good movie cool and you know let's check that out yeah I watched something that's maybe not quite as heavy but definitely on the heavier side is uh we watched the trial of Chicago 7 mm. which I got a lot of like Oscar buzz and and stuff around the time which I mean not in recent years been quite as into uh, but it was incredibly good. Um, Aaron Sorkin wrote the script to it, and I'm usually a fan of his his writing, so I wasn't too surprised that I liked it a lot. But uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. And that's on Net- Netflix exclusive as well. Uh, if anyone wants to check that out, it's definitely worth the time. I would say, yeah. good cast, good performances, good writing. Yeah, I I went out and saw with with David Andrews the other secret podcast uh junkyard podcaster um yes we, uh, not so secret 
not so secret, but he, he he's he's in the, he's the closet. He's the he's the spare part. He's the spare tire podcaster. Um, no, but my be- but my beautiful co-host. Whenever I do something, um, <laughs> he uh, said like, "Hey, do you want to go see uh, the the final Daniel Craig James Bond movie?" Uh, so he actually drove all like two like an hour and a half drive down to see me. Just to go to a theater to see the movie, and then he drove all the way back in the middle of the night, uh, and it was worth it. It was a very good movie, uh, the No Time to okay. Die. Um, I am going to. It is officially out on streaming for rental, and I am going to rent it because I I don't know if we've ever really talked James Bond, but I'm a giant James Bond fan since I've been a, like a little kid. It's one of my one yeah. of my nerddoms, and uh, I because of COVID, because of you know. I, kids not being vaccinated and such i have not returned to movie theaters so i have not seen this movie yet and it's driving me nuts but well i and i know i let me put it this way like i really enjoyed it i thought it was a very good ending to daniel craig's uh reign and it definitely is an ending um and it's one of those things where uh i was surprised to hear that it had some mixed reviews from critics or uh from reviews and such and i'm like um no it's good like, I, I don't know why this is, like, too terribly mixed. I mean, there's a lot of, like, fun sequences in it. Especially if you've recent, Especially if you've watched Knives Out. Uh, because his co-star... <laughs> yeah. His co-star uh, from that movie is in this for a brief scene. Like, she plays a Bond girl in an unexpected way that the whole scene is fucking amazing. The whole scene with them together is just great. And I look forward to seeing them in more movies together. I think there's, like, a real fun, like buddy buddy kind of situation so like without mm. spoiling more than that like that's that's where i'll go yeah don't you dare no, i'm just kidding but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been out long enough it's my fault at this point but <laughs> and now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, nonfiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you'd join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. You are listening to the Time Streams podcast. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. 
You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. Video Junkyard Podcast. What do you guys think is the best Thanksgiving movie of all time? This is kind of a weird one because I don't think there's really that many. In fact, what I was putting Spider-Man. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking I've of actually heard that one. I've seen that on lists of yeah. Thanksgiving movies, so you're not the only one that's ever or seen Or Batman. That, but... 89 Batman actually is my go-to Thanksgiving movie, believe it or not. Um, because there's balloons, it takes place in the fall, but not, like, Halloween. Oh, there you go. Is that like, is that a Thanksgiving thing, or is that just the Joker putting on a parade? Joe, it's I'm, just the Joker. Joe, the movie break, that follows hey, takes place in Christmas. Batman Returns. So I, in my mind, I watch Batman oh, '89 okay. for Thanksgiving, and then I watch Batman oh, Returns and, for Christmas. And there is no question, Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. It's one. Of, it's one I always make sure and get in. Well, not every year, but it's. It, I certainly try to get it in around Christmas right. time for sure. So. And and you know, Batman Forever is very much a St. Paddy's Day movie because you got to be drunk to watch it. And it's very green. Uh, it is. And then uh, Bat- uh, Batman and Robin is just when you hate yourself. Valentine's Day. My birthday. <laughs> so, well, okay, Valentine's so Day actually works, two, too. Two things. <laughs> one, I would have to say one of my favorite Thanksgiving movie is the fake trailer to the Eli Roth movie Thanksgiving that was played in between <laughs> Death Proof and Planet Terror. Yes. Um, that, that's one of my favorites. The one we're going to talk about is the other one. But a question. In National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation... Are they watch? There's a scene where they're watching a parade because the two grandfathers are asleep. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yep. Is that? I I could have swore that was like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. In Christmas Vacation? Yeah. Well, it's got to be. It's, I would. Those those very like specifically take place over the like three days leading up to and Christmas Eve, like yeah. I just never understood that because it was like, was that just supposed to be like a weird Christmas parade? Which I, you're you're right. I think I remember there being like floats and balloons, like yeah, on the TV. I don't know. I don't know. I guess they just were like, it's a holiday. There's a parade, right? We'll put a parade in there. Yeah, but it's usually because that's the whole big thing at the Macy's parade. Which I'll be honest, I haven't watched in like a decade. Me neither. But, but I used to have it on as a kid. It was a thing that you put on as a kid in the '80s and '90s. You put on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because it was it's, something to fucking watch. It's well, usually exactly. like when my mom or whoever, like wherever, wherever my mom and my aunts or whatever would start the cooking. Whenever yeah. they would like start getting stuff going, they'd turn on the TV and have the parade on. And usually when you woke up, because it was a holiday, right, you didn't have to wake up at a specific time, you would get the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade as the first thing on TV. And it, you'd kind of be like, yeah, I kind of want to change this because it sucks. But at the same time, hey, there's Spider-Man, you know. Yeah. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> but. Yeah. I heard, like, Batman's going to show up because of some asshole yeah. in a Batmobile. Well, Santa's going to be there at the end. At so the end because out, he brings but, in, yeah. And they know. usually do, like, a, a holiday parade here in Oshkosh. I think it's this week. <laughs> I should look. Where they do kind yeah. of the same thing. It's like a... They do it in in November, and it kind of is to usher in Christmas. So that's when they light the tree and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's um, fire. Yeah, we do the same thing here in the downtown. Uh, there's a. Uh, it's actually the Friday after the day after Thanksgiving is when they do the like light up all the lights and the tree and all that stuff. And there's a parade. So. 
Yep. But, Kitschy small town, cute stuff like that. But you know, like in the movie, That's what that, holidays are all about. It, it is, and in the movie, we're talking about you know the whole thing here is about get home for Thanksgiving, and, and this year, I know we talked a little bit before we recorded that everybody's kind of doing their own thing nowadays <laughs> for Thanksgiving. For a lot of these holidays, we're just like, ah, oh, no, I'm good. It's gonna hang here. Yeah. I don't need to hang with family this year. No, I think I think the pandemic made it like a good excuse to. It bail was the excuse out. we all needed and wanted. Yeah, yeah. Well, we like, hey, you... this year we can all just get together again. Is everyone vaccinated? We can just get all together again. Mm, yeah. yeah. Until you <laughs> answer yes to the last question, then. And yeah. even then, even then, I've kind of quickly adapted to a lifestyle where I'm weighing. Yeah, but do I really want to? Like, it's no. it's it is kind of nice but getting together really? with family when you choose to and not obligated because it's a holiday. Yes, you know? agreed. Like, if I really want to hang out, then we'll hang well, then you, out. You but... get together with the family you want you want to hang out with, right? That's yeah. <laughs> and so many people do these like big extended family things, and they're like, they always talk to me about like, oh, how uncomfortable it is and whatever. It's like, well, why do you do it then? Like, I don't get it. Like. And I do get it because I grew up doing it, but like in my adult life, I've chosen not to really take part in too much of that stuff. So, <laughs> well, and and that's where the the you know the joy of things like Portal and Zoom and Skype and mm-hmm. all the other things have have made things a little easier over the last two years, where we can, you know, like oh, it's it's Christmas. Who who do you want to see? Oh, we can you know Zoom with somebody for. 20 minutes and okay we're good (laughs) you know or even better it sure made it a super low stress holidays last year and i'm looking forward to be kind of the same this year so yeah (laughs) yep we'll see so we 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 picked our thanksgiving movie this evening well you picked our thanksgiving movie this evening you being the listeners um based on a poll that we posted and i literally was stumped when it was like okay what are the best thanksgiving movies i thought of one thanksgiving movie and that actually happened to be the one that won the poll and that we're talking about this evening uh so i went out there and uh google searched best thanksgiving movies came up with a rotten tomatoes list of the best rated thanksgiving movies and uh we ended up with i literally just created the poll by inserting the top four that being charlie brown thanksgiving uh a movie called krisha uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, and uh, the Woody Allen movie Hannah and Her Sisters. I have seen Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. I have seen Planes, Trains. The other two I have not. Yeah, um, that really kind of made my, my when it came to the cast and the vote, like, pretty quick. I'm like, okay, so there's only two movies to choose from, because I don't know what these other fucking two are. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters is supposed to be a good film. Um, I know it is about a Thanksgiving get together a family something i've never seen it It, it's yeah anyway um (laughs) so yeah you guys voted plain straights and automobiles was the winner that's what we're going to be talking about this evening during holiday travel some people get delirious some get delayed and some get (laughs) del griffin american light and fixture director of sales shower curtain ring division Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. 
Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the Martonic family. Paramount Pictures presents... Wilma! Steve Martin. You ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see Don Ho while you were there? See the second row, that's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. This is, in my opinion, just to get it out of the way, uh, why beat around the bush, probably the penultimate, um, or the ultimate, I guess, Thanksgiving film, if there is one. And I, I, I really don't know what constitutes a Thanksgiving film, but this one seems like it's got all the right elements to me. But Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and, and wasn't this one of the first non-teen John Hughes movies? It was. I think he followed... Um, he didn't direct Pretty in Pink. Um, so maybe 16 Candles. So it was Breakfast Club, 16 Candles. And then I think he wrote but didn't direct... Yeah, anyway, I have, to, I have to pull up his filmography to say for sure. But yes, it is one of the first that is not like Brat Pack movie uh john hughes movies um, huh. which he would go on to do many um kind of in in this kind of same vein um and then also you know family and kids films like home alone and etc as well but I, I i see i see a like kind of a similarity in all of his stuff that there's just this kind of john hughesiness to all of it so i see some similarities but but yeah that's um it kind of broke the mold because I think he people kind of were thinking of him in 1987 when this came out. People were thinking of him as that kind of brat pack teen. Um, He's like, I'll teen show them. Maker, yeah, <laughs> teen filmmaker. You uh, wait till I drop the Hiroshima of f bombs. Oh God! <laughs> so <laughs> there be uh, no survivors. So I get you a, a short synopsis of uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, if you happen to have never seen this before. Um, easily excitable Neil Page, played by Steve Martin, is somewhat of a control freak, trying to get home to his Chica to Chicago to spend Thanksgiving with his family and kids. His flight is rerouted to a distant city in Kansas because of a freak snowstorm, and his sanity begins to fray. Worse yet, he is forced to bunk with the talkative Del Griffith, John Can played by John Candy, whom he finds extremely annoying. Together, they must overcome the insanity of holiday travel to reach their intended destination. So, this is definitely um, a sorry. I should get all the things out of the way. Written and directed and produced by John Hughes, uh, starring obviously as mentioned Steve Martin, John Candy. Um, let's see the rest of the cast here. Steve Martin, John Candy, uh, Layla Robbins. Um, a lot of really great like bit parts from known actors. There's uh, Kevin Bacon, Dylan Baker, Michael McKean. Um, yeah, and uh, a extremely uh, young Matthew Lawrence, if anyone remembers who that is, uh, as one of Neil Page's kids. I Martin do Ferrero, know who that is. the lawyer from Jurassic Park as well. Makes a I did notice <laughs> that one too, yeah. yeah uh, but... Which I thought yeah. was really weird. Oh, that was who that was. Yeah, I guess that... <laughs> I was a little like, God, that guy looks familiar. Oh, it's Joe weird. didn't catch the Jurassic Park. I didn't catch the Jurassic uh, Park guy. I'm surprised yeah. by that. It's Not like one of the only other things I could think of off the top of my head that I know Martin Ferrero from, but... He kind of looks like a discount um, 
fuck, what's that one actor's name who was in Brazil? Um, De Niro? I mean, who are you talking about? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, in the movie in Brazil. Who is in Brazil? My gosh. Brain fart, totally. I'm, I'm I know. Like, I'm not going to Google that right now. But. I'm doing it right <laughs> now. Um, this... Oh, of course, it's a country. Movie. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Google. Really? Really, really yeah. doing well. Uh, Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Yeah. He okay. looks like yep. a discount Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. They do look alike. I never would have put those two together until. But yeah, like, I agree. My well, the, actually, that's what I first thought. I'm like, God, it looks a little like Jonathan Price. I'm like, No, wait, that's the lawyer from Jurassic Park. I'm like, <laughs> Wow, there is quite an age difference, like age and wise, between him doing this movie and that movie by just appearance standards. So I'm like, Good on me for fucking yeah. noticing that. Okay, so it, it, so it somewhat in my defense, Martin Ferrero, I I recognized him, and I couldn't place him. All I could think of when I saw him as like the motel clerk was, God, that's the guy that looks like Harry Dean Stanton that is not Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> well, yeah, you got that one too. And so, so that's where I just kind of <laughs> left it. <laughs> it's, it's the Harry Dean Stanton lookalike, and then I didn't realize, oh yeah, Mark Ferrero looks like Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates um, that because he's a listener on the podcast. Of course, he was the other vote. Yeah. Oh yeah, this movie. Yeah. That's right. Well disappointed. <laughs> Thank you, Martin, for your vote. He's <laughs> like just a there, There's there's a lot of kind of odd cameos in this one, but mm-hmm. um, honestly, one of my favorite. Well, first of all, the Kevin Bacon cameo was just weird. I thought that was going to be like a reoccurring situation. <laughs> I did too. I did, he was big yeah. enough in this where it's like, though I guess maybe in like nineteen. This came out in when uh, eighty seven. Eighty seven. Yeah. I guess that would have been the equivalent of like a Ryan Reynolds cameo now. I yeah, suppose I, he certainly was a, a known, you know, Hollywood personality at that point. So, mm-hmm. um, um, so I I should ask you guys before we get you know dive into this too much. What what is your history with planes, trains, and automobiles? Have you guys uh, seen this one before, or um, is this a first time? Is this our your first Thanksgiving with this movie? Um, I saw it probably in 1988 or 89, when it came, shortly after it came out, um, and maybe saw it once since then. I remembered the ending, and I remembered the scene when Steve Martin gets, (laughs) the dude, like, lifts him up by his nuts. Um, Iconic. Because I remember getting in trouble for being like, oh my, yelling out, oh my god, he lifted him up by his balls. And my parents going, Joe! (laughs) Um, Jesus. Language. Um, But yeah, so it's been a while since I've watched this one from, like, beginning to end. Um, for me, this is actually my first time ever seeing it. Oh, wow. Nice. Wow. Yep. Yep. So... Question's this gonna be: was, Did it live up to the hype? We'll find out. Yeah. Tune in. This one was a staple for me growing up. Like I, I remember being being aware of this movie, and I don't know somehow it like my like, which I, I think, and, and at least Joe, you could you could probably speak to this, but everybody of an age certainly had a a childhood fandom of John Candy. Oh yeah. In some way. Same. Um. Yeah. And yep. Like. I remember wanting to see this movie, and there was a point when my parents were like, no, you can't see that movie, no, you can't see that movie. And then finally they, like, at 
I don't remember what age exactly it was, but they gave it and were like, okay, now you're old enough to watch that movie, so we can all watch it because they really enjoyed. This was a, a favorite of theirs as well. Oh, it's one of the like few movies my parents that. actually own on uh, DVD. So, um, the uh, so yeah, like I, I probably saw this 10, 12 times, you know, growing up, um, and it thoroughly enjoyed it like at many different ages, but. It has been quite a while since the last time I watched this, so it's it's been probably a decade or so. But it's it's funny. It's coming back to something you've seen that many times growing up. It's like every like frame of this film is super familiar. It's kind of like just kind of, which just makes it perfect for a Thanksgiving movie for me. Because what's Thanksgiving all about? Like comfort food, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, so that's exactly what this is. It kind of just feels, you know, yeah, one of those old kind of uh, standards or staples and growing up or at least in my family so it's going to become the charlie brown christmas for your kids' gender like when they grow up and like (laughs) you're old and like let's put in plane trains and automobiles it's like when they're like hey let's force the peanuts on you yeah it's like i don't (laughs) hate it but i've had enough (laughs) yeah or that yeah but i i think one of the one of the things that really helps this too is this being and I, I don't want to get off like, they don't ever do this anymore. Because, of course, they still do, like, these kind of buddy comedy movies. But yeah, buddy oh, road, the road, road comedy The buddy road too. comedy yeah. movies. Oh, I mean, the, the more I watch, as I was watching this, I was like, my God, we would not have Tommy Boy without this. I was oh, constantly yeah. thinking of Tommy you Boy. Know, there, mm-hmm. There's a lot of similarities. And Tommy Boy, in some ways, was our generation's recreation of this. And maybe not even our generation. We were still pretty young when Tommy Boy came out, but... Yeah, 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 and but as far I, as I I'm remember, concerned, Tommy Boy has always existed. I I, I remember seeing <laughs> Tommy Boy in theaters, um, but and this I would have been way too young to see this. But I would have been like when this came out. I think it was like six. Um, this came on eighty nine. 87. 87. 87. Yeah, yeah so I, I would have been, been like fucking alive yet. Made me yeah. four. So, but yeah. this one. Um, there, there was something about, and you hear, but you know, there's Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy. You know, there's always these these comedy duos oh, yeah. all throughout TV and film. There's there's something about Steve Martin, John Candy, and I can't even just say it's these two. There was like just a group of actors in the the 80s that worked really well with each other, um, mm-hmm. because like Steve Martin and John Candy didn't do a lot of stuff together, just the two of them, but they were kind of a part of a circle of actors that you'd see. Steve Martin and Martin Short, you know, and Which, just kind of like bouncing yeah. around. And they work so well off each other in this because they're both on the same kind of oh, wavelength. Yeah, yeah mean, it was actually one of the notes I wrote down is that like, I would have watched 40 movies that these guys do in this, like maybe not this exact role, but like these two together, they play so well off of one another. Um, I can't believe we didn't get at least an attempt to follow this up because it was a fairly popular movie. Yeah. Um, very popular movie actually. And, and uh, for many years after, and I, th- I feel like it's, it's kind of like disappeared um, off the radar. Maybe I'm wrong, but um but yeah, I feel like you're exactly right. You hit it right on the head, like a Laurel and Hardy or um, you know Abbott and Costello kind of vibe. Like these two, you know Martin and Candy could have been. They they play so well off each other with the straight man and kind of uh, you know John Candy's um, lovable idiot type of your performance. And I say that lovingly uh, because I I just think Del Griffith is such a wonderful character. And uh, but yeah, I I could have watched you know. 
I could have watched this over and over again. I feel like if, if you kept getting scripts that were even half as good as this one, I could watch these two in it. So, <laughs> well, even even the opening of the film is fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Of the of, of Steve Martin in this advertising execs boardroom meeting, and you've got the boss, and he's looking over these three poster boards that are pretty much all the same. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like different focusing on a different part of a woman's mouth selling perfume or some weird shit mm-hmm. and it's it's a good probably three minutes of silence of him just looking and then he opens his mouth to say something and everybody leans forward and then he goes back to looking at him again it's just I don't know it, it, it captured something about like that just being in those kind of meetings and and Steve Martin's facial expressions are, are really great throughout this whole thing because he's he's the bad cop he's the angry guy role you know Mm. if this was tommy boy he would have been more of the david spade type character yeah right you know (laughs) which steve martin was new to this at the time prior to playing straights and automobiles i know it's the very first time but he he gets cast in many similar roles from uh mostly what people remember now of steve martin doing it's always playing this kind of straight guy character prior to this he was doing like silly carl reiner comedies and his stand-up is re- like silly the ridiculous and, and yeah he's, yeah he's not anything like this this is a this is a kind of a breakout thing but then you know as time goes on you get him cast in roles in like father of the bride and parenthood and et cetera, et cetera. he's always kind of playing this neil page character uh so this kind of gets him into what i think most people will now go back and look at his entire career and remember Steve Martin being this type of character more than like what he is in the jerk and the man with two brains and you know kind of mm-hmm. the sillier stuff that he did early in his career his stand up and such Steve yeah. Martin neurotic asshole yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 90s yeah. forward but he he kind of became like an America's dad for a while and this was the yeah. one that kind of ushered him into that um because yeah i mean I, one of my favorite and this is one we should bring, we should watch on the show sometime too. Is is uh, Steve Martin film is Roxanne, his oh, the, yeah. that eighties yeah. version of Serenade to Bergerac, um, mm-hmm. and you know he he was kind of bridging both in that one. He's the straight guy, but yeah. he's also a bit of the the, the clown. You know, um, this movie made me realize, and I, I texted you guys about this while I was watching it. God, this one made me realize how much I miss John Candy. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I watch a John Candy movie, I feel that way. But this character, Del Griffith, is one of my favorite John Candy characters, if not my favorite John Candy he's, character. And he's great in some of the like bit stuff that he does and shows up in other comedies. Yeah. But this and Uncle this, Buck, yeah. yeah. And this was his, the start of his relationship with John Hughes. He pretty much shows up in almost everything else John Hughes did while John Candy was still alive. John Candy shows up in at least for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they they work together quite a bit, and Uncle Buck obviously is another one that John Hughes wrote and directed that yeah. stars John Candy. So, yeah, um, one of my favorites. But yeah, the, this <laughs> this one, he's just it was the thing about John Candy too is he never his comedy was never blue. It was always like yeah. somewhat wholesome, but yeah. but still like you could be the the most you know badass hardened whatever john candy's still gonna make you laugh yeah you know well it there's usually something and he, there's a couple of roles he plays where it's not so much he's kind of he can he could do kind of like a swarmy type character as well but a lot of his roles he 
is a flawed but endearing, like totally endearing character. And I feel like there's an authenticity to that because I think John Candy was that person in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think with Del Griffith and the reason that this character works so well is he is able to tap into a lot of his own, like just reading a bit about his life, like his own insecurities and some of his own anxieties and issues that he had um, and kind of put it into this guy because in a lot of ways, this I'm not saying this character is John Candy, but there's there's certainly some similarities there, so... Well, it's kind of like the... I feel like it's like a good represent... And Tommy Boy does this too, I guess, with yeah. uh, Chris Farley's portrayal. But the Midwesterner, you know? Just yeah. the lovable mm-hmm. Midwesterner. It's just like, yeah, you're treated like by city folks. It's like, you're just this ignorant fucking idiot. And like, yeah, I don't fully understand everything out there, but you can't... Like, I can understand... I understand other things different from you, right. a.k.a. I'm a better people person than you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, like straight up. Um, I mean, I think that's what makes characters like Tommy Kelly um, or Callahan, excuse me, Tommy Callahan, and you know Dell in this, and a lot of John Candy's characters, where he plays the annoying guy, right, or the the whole annoying, lovable annoying guy role, is yeah. you love this guy unless you're the straight person in it. The Steve Martin, <laughs> who's having a really rough day anyway. But if you were to yeah. meet Dell any other time, you're like, this dude is great. It's just all the circumstances in which Steve Martin's character is going through, which he's warned at the beginning, dude, don't try. It's not going to work. He's, wa- yeah. he's warned in the first five minutes of the movie. Just wait and take the eight with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make the six o'clock plane, and he's never going to make it. Yeah. You know, and and it ends up like first thing he gets fucked over by Kevin Bacon, and God, who doesn't have a story like that? And yeah. you know, and then <laughs> if I had a nickel, if I had a nickel, <laughs> every time you know, that Kevin Bacon, <laughs> and then there's and then you know all the stuff with John Candy, and, and and then the various other cameos, which I I do have to mention. My favorite cameo in this is a very young Dylan Baker. Yeah, as Owen. <laughs> Just that constant snorting he's doing. (laughs) He's talking about his wife, and he's like, don't worry, she's tough. Her first kid come out sideways. She didn't even cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, and Michael McKeon is a state trooper in this one. Um, Ben Stein, who was before he Oh, yeah, I didn't mention Ben Stein. Ben Stein before he went weird. Um, Yeah. And Eddie McClurg. (laughs) Eddie McClurg, who is uh, sh- shocking. Oh, yeah. still, the... She's not in enough stuff anymore. Like, I don't know why she stopped acting. She's she's still, she could still do it. Um, but in, yeah, like, she was in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just in, in a lot of roles like she plays in this movie, but bit parts and such. But. Well, the, the, the secretary at the school in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is like her golden standard. But Yeah. He's um, one righteous dude. One righteous dude. She was pulling pencils out of her hair. Anyway, in this movie, she's the brunt of Steve Martin's rage. John Hughes scene. does like to reuse uh, actors. Yeah, he does. does. <laughs> or did, yeah. Did, did, did yes, yeah. That's a sad thing, too, is that John Hughes has passed. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, the, uh, but Eddie McClurg's scene with, with her and Steve Martin, where she's the rental car agent. Oh God, yeah. Just... I'm pretty sure that was the only scene that my parents probably didn't let me watch this at first. You know, that, that was because of that. But 
Great wow. scene. It, it, it is. You know, and there are some things that Dell does in this that, yeah, I could see anybody getting irritated about. I mean, there are some... Sure. There's some, some shitty things that he pulls, but nothing that bad. Nothing that intentionally... Yeah. Dis, you know. He does nothing to deserve like the tongue lashing, especially in the hotel room scene at the first the first motel that they pull into. Um, Steve Martin's character Neil Page like goes off on him about you know this and that and this is just to the strength of John Candy's performance. Watching John Candy react to that criticism when he's telling him you know oh you never shut up and you know you know here's the thing about telling a good story try having a point and all this like uh mm-hmm. all just really kind of being he, I mean, he's being deliberately cruel because he's pissed off at the situation and whatever and he's uptight and just just can't deal so he's lashing out but um watching john candy react to that is literally like one of the more heartbreaking moments of the film just like because this dude is just like I don't know. He he's a lot of things, but the number one thing he is is he's on the level. Like you get what you get, and he says that about himself, uh, in his in his own own defense. But um, it's it's kind of like this this couple seconds of heartbreak. As, as yeah. This, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's great. Like there's a lot of really great moments, and and nothing that Del Griffith does in this movie, I don't think ever does he ever deserve the kind of malice that Steve Martin. Steve Martin's obviously or. A, not Steve Martin, but Neil Page is obviously a a person who is wound up so tight that he doesn't realize like his own behavior, and that's how obviously, like all of these buddy comedies of the '80s, they grow from each other. They always start off with you know being foils, and they become buddies as the movie goes on. This repeats over and over again in all of these types of movies. But I really feel like this script is one of the better examples of this. But yeah. Yeah, and that that particular scene in that first motel, like you were talking about, where Steve Martin kind of unleashes on him verbally. When you get to the reveal at the end, mm-hmm. knowing what you know when you watch this movie like a second time, you, you really get to see John Candy do some real legitimate acting here. Yeah. Where oh, it's yeah. a guy who he could reveal his secret right now but he's not going to let this person's rage ruin his outlook which you kind of get as a choice he's choosing to kind of discuss things the way that he discusses things for his own well-being i don't know maybe i'm reading it too much but well um, no I, i think he also doesn't want he doesn't want to play the pity card yeah like which is you know i mean it it's a trait that he he has to a fault like there's a point in this film where he totally should have probably come across with like no i actually don't have all these like the the later (laughs) it's funny you can't say the motel room scene because there are multiple uh, of these because of the nature of the movie two guys kind of trying to get home and traveling across country by all different means and whatever but in the later motel room scene where they're drinking bottles from the mini bar and uh eating stuff from the vending machine and uh finally they've gotten to the point where they're they're starting to be more of the buddy relationship and steve martin says something along the lines like you know got you gotta you know i love the my wife and all this stuff and it's you know you gotta just just after all this you know terrible shit that's happened to us you gotta 
you have that to fall back on. At least you have this, you know, woman you love to grow old with. And John Candy's like, you know, just you still you can see. I mean, that's that's really the reveal right there. You know, something's not right after that point because yeah. he, the way he reacts to that comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, this uh, kind of silent stare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and oh god, I mean, it's. I, I finished watching this movie and I went upstairs and I just was like, "God damn it, John Hughes! You you know always you know always knew how to hit me in the gut." And, yeah, <laughs> and this is this is definitely he's one got, of them. He's got this like wonderfully like kind of schmaltzy '80s feel good thing to him, but it works and it still works. I didn't know if it would like because it's you know. Mm-hmm. It's 2021, and the world has changed an awful lot. But nope, this one still works for me. Well, like, <laughs> and I, I think it, it says a lot about you know Candy's performance in this. He just mm-hmm. he he really really hit it home. And I think this is a really cool. It's a cool situation where you've got a director and a writer who were so well known for doing these teen movies, but they, they got to grow up too. And so he yeah. starts doing movies like this, more about you know from the the like the, some family man type movies, but other things as well, and really kind of nails you know okay you know how I made you feel when you were a teen I can do it as an adult too, and this one still holds up pretty well. Um, yeah, but I I I did always, I did think it was cool like on the uh, the Wikipedia article for this this movie they actually show a map of how they the actually travel. travel like there's one yeah. it's like here's the the intended route where it's just from like from new york to chicago straight instead they yeah. end up going from new york to wichita right diverted flight that's yep you know that can happen yep the diverted flight and then they take a train through um <clears throat> missouri Yep, the breaks down in the middle of Missouri. Little Missouri, they get they on bus a, to St. Louis. Yep, bus to St. Louis, and they take a rental car to like what looks like Champagne or something, and then yeah, Central Illinois somewhere. Yeah, and then they ride on the back of a milk truck to Chicago. <laughs> Which milk truck? Uh, what it, it was like? What was the the milk? Or it was like cheese? It was yeah. Osh something? Yeah. I'm yeah, surprised it wasn't it? like. Remember. Honestly, I'm surprised it, like, it wasn't Provel or something like that. And they they <laughs> and they had really a weird. They had a slogan on the side of the truck that was like "Oh gosh, Osh." Yeah, so, yeah it was like it like rhymed, and now I can't remember. Almost but, an Osh gosh, but gosh. Yeah. Almost, um, yeah, but it was really weird. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, I guess meant you know mentioning the route and like all of the stuff that goes on. I, I think one of the things that still hits home about this movie and and obviously hasn't changed since back then is like even though these two guys are having like the like worst trip ever kind of deal like everything that could go wrong is going wrong or could possibly go wrong it's going wrong for them i still feel like this is kind of what it feels like to travel across the country in this country like yes it's this frustrating like just regularly traveling not even with all the stuff going wrong i feel like a lot of times it's just like this like that's the way it goes uh, and, and, and ending it where, you know, the last step of their journey was getting on the L train at, you know, uh, LaSalle in Chicago or whatever station they were at in Chicago, like where, you know, I lived for many years, like not right around there, but like, I know the station I've been there and, uh, it just like, 
that I mean that's traveling to me because that's how it always start. You know, you take take the train to the airport, then you get on the air, you know, get on the plane and do. So I did. You guys feel like some of that frustration like translates if you've ever done any like. Oh yeah, yeah, traveling cross country like which I know you know we all yeah. have at some point. Or <laughs> yep. even just doing public transport in an area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, requires you to do um, a lot of odd planning and such that's like well this doesn't make any fucking sense i had a job when i was working in oshkosh i had a job where the bus route uh took like to get to the spot took about a half hour uh in two maybe like maybe 35 minutes maybe 35 minutes and i'm like and i found out that it only took me 30 minutes to walk to it (laughs) so i walked (laughs) um yeah every and this is of course you know in wisconsin with and i remember there being a snowstorm and i'm crossing a river uh, like i'm i'm not physically crossing the river i'm walking on the bridge after a giant fucking snowstorm so you have all the fucking snow from the that they plowed up like a all <laughs> on the fucking sidewalk and I'm walking on this hill looking and the guardrail for the bridge is below my feet. <laughs> and I'm oh, yeah. like, cool. And as yeah. soon as I, I could, got done I with that, my chest hurt and I'm like here. Wow. <laughs> I, I yeah, one yeah. time was flying from back from like some kind of a conference or something. I think it was in um, North Carolina. And I flew to Chicago and then from Chicago, I had to go to Milwaukee because that's where my car was parked because I had flown out of Milwaukee. When I was getting on the plane to go to Milwaukee at O'Hare in Chicago because of the plane I was transferring on. So I went from Raleigh to Chicago and we had to change planes. And my carry-on bag, they said, was just too big for the overhead compartment. So they made me leave yeah. it like at the gate and then <laughs> they threw it on. Well, they didn't throw it on that flight. And because it was a last-minute thing, I forgot that my car keys were in it. Oh. I had to sit at the Milwaukee airport for four hours until the next flight would come in from Chicago that would have my carry-on bag on it with my car keys. It was my own fault for not thinking about it when I put my keys in it. But I did it when I was going through security. To make it simple, this was probably back in like 2015. 15 2014 no maybe even 2012 but yeah i so i had to sit at the milwaukee airport for four hours when i so i could no i'm at at the yeah at milwaukee waiting for my bag to come in so i could go to my car and drive the hour and a half home but Hmm. at that for that amount of time i could have driven to chicago yeah yep if i had my fucking keys so yes, it always I, seems like traveling like totally that. Totally kind of get it. It's I've just... had shit like that. I've been, I've had, I've gone from f- trying to get from Florida to Chicago. I've had to go from Florida to Austin to Chicago. Um, just weird shit like that. There, I've, I've yeah. actually burned tickets. I've, I've literally gotten to my halfway point and said, "Forget it. This thing is so delayed and fucked. I'm just going to call somebody to give me a ride." yeah and work it out that way um because sometimes it's cheaper but yes this movie beautifully illustrates the stress of travel (laughs) in these united states yeah especially in the midwest in the winter time oh god uh, yeah 
yeah it's a it's, weird it's a weird it's a, survival thing that starts to kick in <laughs> it, it is yeah. it is eventually and, uh, you get to the point where you're like fuck it where's the where's the airport bar i think like <laughs> yeah but like watching uh steve uh, martin's character like the amount of money that is bled from these two mainly his character was like painful to watch oh, <laughs> like yeah. so so much and I'm like this is a guy who i mean in the 80s has money yeah but still it's just like well the beautiful like north suburban chicago home that he lives in tells me he has lots of money even in the 80s but yeah still that's a typical john hughes thing yeah they all live every john hughes family lives in the same neighborhood by the way it seems like they all look like yeah i swear to god that was like the home house house. but yeah yeah. (laughs) but um yeah so there's a lot of really like great scenes in this movie just kind of in between or them kind of like fighting their way through you know transit and trying to get back to chicago in time for thanksgiving um I do feel like the movie could have at points used a little bit better of a time clock because I felt like we at the beginning we were closer to Thanksgiving than it seemed like. Then all of a sudden days went by. It said it was like like, two days away from Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then it seemed like so much time passed. But I think if you went back and really put it together, it would still kind of fit in two days. But Yeah, I suppose um, they're first because I'm like, there's at least two nights. Yeah. There's three nights. No, there's two nights. There's two nights. Two nights, yeah. But the, I night, really, the night of the yeah. car fire and or the night of the the first hotel where the cuddling um, After scene, the plane, yeah, and then the night of the car fire <laughs> to the <laughs> second hotel, yeah. Or the I motel. guess what I was where I was really going with that is like, do you guys have a, have a favorite uh, scene or what is uh, the most memorable um, obstacle that they these two men these two guys run into on their trip? Um, personally, I, I would, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I, I like John Candy selling the shower rings as all sorts of different things so they can raise money at the bus station. <laughs> That's pretty um, good. Yeah. I, well, maybe it was at the bus station. I know I really like the line where he says, you look like you're in a really foul mood. And he said, yeah. And he goes, you ever taken a bus before? And he goes, no. He goes, well, it's not going to get any better. <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> i've had to, i've i've ridden the greyhound traveled by bus before yeah <laughs> i've i have traveled by bus from pensacola florida to rockford illinois oh my god and it was horrible it yeah. was it was fucking terrible. i've actually never done a, like greyhound bus i've done a ton of like city bus traveling but yeah greyhound is god awful um i've done amtrak once amtrak i've done and that's it can be okay if it doesn't get stuck somewhere. Amtrak was great. I brought a couple of books. Yeah. yeah. Some magazines. Just kind of put my feet up. If you want to get up and walk around and stretch, you can. I've always thought it'd be yeah. cool to do like a, a class geology field trip by train. Yeah. yeah. I just think that'd be cool, but it'd be ridiculously expensive. Um, at which at is some a shame. point, if you ever get a chance, if you like train travel, you got to go uh, take the... And this is getting off subject, but... You got to take the um, Amtrak line that runs through the Rocky Mountains out of Denver, yeah. going west. Oh man, is that cool! Get, get in the observation car early because it gets crowded. That's what but, I want to do for something like that. Because yeah, I, so I think train travel is, is cool. I wish we could do more of it here. Yeah. We just we don't have the 
We haven't invested in the infrastructure to do it, but we can. Well, we got rid of a lot of it. We yeah. already had some of it. Yeah. <laughs> and we um, thought, this is never going to be a thing now that we have cars. No, and then, then you know, they invented the bullet train, and you're like, oh, wow, it could be even cooler. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would love to see that. But, air, air, you know, airplane travel's cool, too. If you got a clear day and you can look down and see all that stuff from a plane, you know, perspective, it's really neat. Like a bird's eye view of some of the landforms it's really beautiful um and i've also driven a lot cross country so yeah i've kind of done a lot of this and yeah it, <laughs> it can be great and it can suck it just kind of depends on on the circumstances yeah but as far as a favorite thing in this one i don't know the the dylan baker scene just <laughs> that i keep going back to that because i i laughed so hard just at the constant snort, the you know, like hacking something up, and then the just in the randomly, and then I don't know. That just that scene cracked me up, especially the like this is Dylan Baker. He grows up you know, later on in life. He, he's like this cool character actor, you know. Yep. <laughs> he's never done anything like this since. <laughs> no, he fuck. He was in Spider Man. Yeah. Too. He's technically yeah, Kirk Connors. Well, he's Kirk Connors. He's technically the Lizard. But he's also in Halloween, and yeah, so, or Trick or Treat, and um, number not Halloween Trick or Treat, uh, a number hmm, of close enough great things. Yeah, so that'd be my favorite. What about you, Ryan? <laughs> um, so my thing is kind of <sighs> difficult because uh, fuck, I guess I never really even much thought. I watched it today, so <laughs> like, I watched. I double watched it with our last movie. Um, I feel like it has to be like, oh man, it's a John Candy thing. Just everything with John Candy <laughs> was pretty much. That's the problem. Yep. Is like, I I have I, I I enjoyed John Candy a lot in this movie and like all the little things, which is funny because I feel like ultimately in the end I would be the uh, character who would be pissed like constantly angry um, I know for a fact I would right. be <laughs> so yeah unfortunately I think I'm I'm in the same boat I um, like to tell myself that's not true but yeah yeah I, I would be I'm so neurotic especially with travel um, uh, honestly I think that's one of the things that makes this movie so good is we all see too much of ourselves when we really stop and think about it we we see too much of ourselves as neil page than we wish we could and not enough mm -hmm. of del griffith than we wish we could oh i'm yeah. i'm at the like money issues of of one and the but the anger issues of the other <laughs> that's kind of like unfortunately. i mean i mean like emotionally like the, i know like, i think a lot of yeah, people can relate to Neil Page more than they'd like to admit. Yeah. And I think we all could use to be a little more Dell Griffith. Yeah, they wish they could be a little more like Dell. Yeah. I do yeah. have a thing, though, that kept bothering me after I saw the... Like, now that I know how this movie ends and everything like that. And that is... What was the whole point of John Candy's journey? If he actually doesn't have a destination... Um, I I assumed he was moving along. I mean, he obviously was still working because he was selling those. He had all his business relationships. He was selling 
the shower curtain rings and doing his his thing still i i kind of assumed that he was just kind of moving his way along to whatever his next stop was and he kind of latched himself on to neil's you know journey to get home and made it part of his quest to get him home and then he was you know gonna sit there and wait because it was a holiday no one was probably low travel day he was gonna sit and wait for the next thing that he could however he could get where he needed to go yeah but you see what i mean is it's like you have this core of the story and then they throw in this i mean it's a foreseeable twist but they throw in this twist Mm -hmm. with his character with uh griffith's wife dead and he actually like for eight years and he actually doesn't really have a home um yeah and so where i'm kind of like this is where my brain started to go because i didn't grow up with this uh, like i was aware of it which it just it was just never i knew about this movie everywhere else not from my home it's just i guess this is one of the movies that my parents just like uh don't really care either way so yeah. so it's hard for, so for me i'm already in like analyze mode and i'm just thinking god i think this movie would have been better is because we know so much about neil page's situation and that's been the whole stress point the anxiety of this main character and trying to get to this point and i think i think at that moment where he realizes what's going on with john i think that's when a good opportunity for them to mention like sorry dell dell griffith uh played by john um I think that would have been a good opportunity to like, I know it's near the end of the movie, just like actually I'm here for so-and-so reason. Um, and maybe it's like a hard, like maybe it's like, maybe there's an estranged relationship. Some like, and he doesn't have the courage to like meet some, like a kid, like an adult daughter somewhere. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so some kind of family element. And then maybe, Paige's character in that moment decides like let's get you to where you need to go to heal properly or whatever like let's like let's give you something like you've been doing so much for my journey why don't we make it let's end it with yours or something like that i think that would have been a cool emotional moment from a modern you know storytelling standpoint yeah maybe it could use Uh, a little more exposition a lot yeah. more exposition <laughs> in my because yeah. i was just like everything about this up to the point is just like oh there's like you don't have a home why did you travel all this way because he wasn't following Paige's character in fact if anything he was always a step ahead of him always yeah that's true <laughs> it's like i assume i yeah i assume he had to you know be there not, for some reason i don't know yeah, not to break down anything for you guys, but it was like it no. was a thing that was just painfully there for me in the story after that point was brought up and never addressed. And I'm just like, and when the movie ends, it kind of ends with his face with like a kind of painful happiness, like, "Hey, I'm happy to be a part of like part of this one day, but after this, I still have to live the rest of my life the way that it is." Like you see that yeah. pain in Candy's face, and that's how the movie kind of fucking ends. <laughs> and it's like I mean, it certainly huh. is more about Neil Page's journey, right? Neil Page as a character has a, has a lot of growth here. I don't think Dell changes much. Dell's, you know, the agent of change for Neil. So yeah, it, it could you could say that he's underserved as it's, it's not a fifty fifty, yeah, split. I think that would have been, like, a cool opportunity for 
Paige's character to show just how much he grows beyond just like let me invite you over to my house because I get it that's in the 80s that's very classic but like I would say if this were ever to be redone it's just like the ultimate like sacrifice of the loss of his self-centeredness and helping another fellow human being during a time like Thanksgiving is like like maybe he was visiting his wife's grave and like I'll take let's go there like what about your family like you need to heal I, I just thought that would have been a cool thing that popped into my head at that moment. Because other than that, it's just like, this doesn't go well for, yeah. <laughs> like, ultimately yeah. I mean, in the end. I kind of agree agree with that. Like, they're, you know, especially from a modern standpoint, and just thinking about the story as a whole and Dell as a character, like, where where do you leave this character and what does he has he gained from all of this? Um, yeah. Yeah, I could see that as a, as a complaint for sure. And like, yeah, there's a certain amount of of truth to the fact that like, okay, you've, I'm helping you by bringing you into my home and showing you what, like how happy I am and how you're still lacking all of these things. Like, look, um, I have kids. (laughs) Like, yeah. Um, And I know that's not, I don't think that's the point it's trying to make because it, it doesn't feel that way really when I watch it. But when I break it down from a story aspect, yeah, I could see that. But yeah. I can. Re- it's one of those things that I guess, like with John Hughes movies, that I don't f- connect quite close to. Like I would connect more so with Tommy Boy because of like there's certain blue collar elements to it. But like with a John Hughes thing, it is definitely just kind of more so wealthy white middle class or upper yeah. middle class. Oh, no yeah. doubt, no it doubt is for sure. And it's one of those like that's where the disconnect and heart goes. And like you have kind of more so a blue collar esque character. I know he's a salesman, but he's a salesman for fucking shower curtains. But he's yeah. very blue collar. Like everything about him, uh, Midwestern yeah, blue collar type. And he's that is what he is. He's just a foil or sidekick or whatever. And it's just like bummer because it's John Candy. <laughs> you know, I think. Yeah, maybe I mean, that's where he, my guy says. He does play the the part of, you know, being the vehicle in which Neil can reflect on himself and, and yeah. change for the better. So, I mean, that's I think that's the part it's playing. But, yeah, I, I feel like the story, you could go further with, with it. Um, not that I'm recommending they remake this because there's been so many similar movies. I'm sure that's been explored. Yeah, no, elsewhere. it does not need to be remade. <laughs> Despite my comment, do not <laughs> remake this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it uh, definitely invokes those kind of, um, you know, Thanksgiving vibes, like reaching out to uh, someone learning. But it's, it's, it's actually more about learning to be a better person, kind of letting go of your your bullshit a little bit, you know, learning you to relax wipe. and just like kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, let it go a bit. So I, I mean, I think in general, the message is in the right place. I do agree. Maybe yeah. Dell's a little underserved, especially because he's such a. He, it points he's such a relatable character, and then yeah, to let him kind of play second fiddle to Neil is is maybe not fair. But and yeah. you know, and, and and to be fair and to be honest about this era of comedies and the John Hughes type comedies is. It isn't a. It isn't really a, f- a matter of well, the writer and the director just kind of expected the audience to you know fill in those gaps. No, they didn't really expect you to think about it. Exactly. Right. And, I know that. Yeah. So <laughs> they, 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 they that. nobody was thinking about it, which isn't. I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just pointing out that they 
unfortunately people didn't really think about that kind of stuff yeah in the, in but the it 80s. shows like and the kind of growth that movies have taken even oh absolutely a small thing. absolutely something well, like a yeah. little bit of like exposition like can we give this character a purpose other than just being the support for the the grumpy guy um yeah. you know little the, grumpy the agent, pants the, the the agent of <laughs> the agent of change for the, the grumpy character um yeah. but i but that was that was the way and you know they kind of made movies in that era so yeah i, I can respect and I still, that and, i still think it yeah, works and, I, and it i'm fully aware that it's schmaltzy and it's very 80s and it's very john hughes that that because that's definitely a thing um but I, I still think it works like it's still you know is like <laughs> as much as you you know you can even like i guess sit here and a- analyze the issues with you know the scenes at the end and like where we're kind of and, and hear totally hear what you're saying but I still find it to be like a heartwarmingly 80s kind of just, yeah, I don't know, John Hughes movie. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it works. It is what it is. Uh, I feel like Home Alone is much the same, like, at points. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's, this has some similar vibes, I think, maybe because of the holiday setting to that movie. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just one of those things that's, like I said, because I didn't have this nostalgic background with it, and mm. that, like, that's just automatically where my brain went to in that one part. It's just like, huh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is exactly what happens in a lot of these films, and I know that. It's just like, yeah, but this is the only thing I could bring up. <laughs> it's like, no, it's fair. It's a fair criticism, yeah. and I think it's it's. Inter- I think you bring up a good point. It's interesting how storytelling in films has changed in mm-hmm. 30, 40 years. You know, um, the way in which a story unfolds and how that narratively works. Uh, in this, you kind of gloss over some of those narrative points because there's gags. Yeah. Um, right. And then you know we we we've seen that evolve slowly, but still you know continue to change. So it is interesting, and how even a movie with that dating—I don't even want to call it a flaw because it's just a dated way of storytelling in film. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just kind of how that that dating is still effective, though. Like even though the movie's dated, it's still a very effective for what it's intended. Well, to yeah. Be. Yep. That's what I thought was so interesting because this cool. movie is loved by so many, like more lower, lower middle class, or even lower. I don't want to say lower people. That sounds fucking bad. But blue collar. It's not. It's like there's this. That's how I know about this movie is this through blue collar people. A lot of people like Dell, <laughs> so I'm like it's yeah. interesting because you ain't the hero, Excuse me. but you do steal the show. But like I said, there's there's really nothing he's doing though that is. If if you're not if you're not Steve Martin in this movie, then yeah, Dell's a great guy. Yeah. You know, if you're not yeah. going through I mean, all of that stuff. Part, he may be a little obnoxious, he may have some habits that are you know, that are gonna get to get to you a little bit, but he's he's one hundred percent legit when he says what you see is what you get, because that's you know, yeah. he, he demonstrates that throughout the movie for the most part. There is a little bit of a, like, kind of gray area there where he, you know, doesn't know he's going to run back into Steve Martin, but he's using his credit card to rent a car. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, 
you know, he's once obviously you, in a desperate situation, and we understand that already. Yeah, once you, but, once but you once learn again, about the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, but once again, what's the destination, and was it worth it to steal the stranger's credit card to get yeah. there? <laughs> That's sorry. <laughs> I didn't even think about I didn't think about that part until you mentioned it I'm like (laughs) fuck dude no that's so that's still a problem what's your goal here it's like I'm just an agent of chaos (laughs) I'm a Loki in this world my whole point is to help other people get better he's actually just the spirit of thanksgiving that's right (laughs) there it is he just fades away spirit of thanksgiving they say every time I bring a uh grumpy upper middle class uh, white man uh, give him a sense of like empathy towards his fellow man I get my chicken wing or turkey wing Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I'm going to get a framed picture of Del Griffith from this movie and have it be part of my Thanksgiving centerpiece from here put it up put it up on your Thanksgiving Christmas tree (laughs) there you go actually I love that idea of having a framed picture of Del Griffith at the the Thanksgiving (laughs) table like I could I could make that a thing yeah, well now we all three have. To I mean, do that. it's We're way more culturally right now, appropriate so. than the pilgrims and Indian things that people yeah, fucking could, used to put up. So. I could start a store on our Patreon. We should just start selling. We'll probably get in trouble, but <laughs> we just have to make the bootleg version. Thing. Just make it yeah. just a little off-brand. We'll be okay. <laughs> be like you know Japanese or Chinese toy import Del Griffith. That, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he yeah. speaking in Mandarin? Happy American Thanksgiving man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Safe travels. Um, it's a poorly That's sculpted what we need head to do. of John we need Candy he... on like a Superman sculpt body. We need to make him the next... We make him a bobblehead that like attaches to a car or whatever, and he becomes the next saint of travel. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Pat- he won't get you there on time, but he'll get you there with a lesson learned. Yeah, you, you'll arrive at your destination a more whole human well, being. Now I'm gonna need a Dell for my car too. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, now only available at the Video Junkyard podcast. Um, yeah, see, just because it fits somewhere. the character so well, like you, you have to get your Dell Griffith like scented um, car. Oh. Like <laughs> just uh, smells like yeah, beer air, air spilled in the sheets, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or his fucking socks, his dirty feet. <laughs> Uh, well we should probably uh start wrapping this one up if you guys have any uh final thoughts about planes trains and automobiles and uh go ahead and uh let's give it a grade as well let's uh i guess let's start with you ryan since uh you were this is a first viewing for you so first thanksgiving spent with this movie yeah um i mean i definitely seal like seal let me try that again i definitely see the seal of approval when it comes to Thanksgiving films. Not that there's a large uh, order of Thanksgiving films, unless you count <laughs> that one demonic turkey one. Um, which I don't. Uh, it's, I mean, it, I do. But. I, <laughs> you would. <laughs> Make it on brand. Um, it's, it's, it's nice seeing John Candy. You know? Um, and, you know, Stephen... Stephen I'm terrible. Martin. I keep fucking Steve going. Yeah. No, no, yeah, I was going to say his Martin, character name. Neil Page. Yeah. I was going to say Steve Page, and then my brain just completely <laughs> shut off. Um, it's pr- it's just Steve Martin, John Candy film. It's just them throughout on a road trip, and 
it's it what you get what you see is what you get and that's fine that's completely fine and i can see why it, it made it's such a staple of um you know films for people to enjoy that you know were alive around the 80s and 90s <laughs> like i get it i don't see yeah. gen z necessarily carrying this on too strongly no um and, and that's, that's okay and that's okay and like everyone every generation does not like they can appreciate their own films they don't need to be appreciated by the generation after no film is actually this great fucking massive achievement that must be spread culturally every time it's just like enjoy what you got that's what this movie is it's not citizen kane (laughs) which i've never seen um but it is like it is a fun wholesome movie with fun crazy antics and yes it fucking created the movies i did grow up with and enjoyed like tommy boy and and such you know traveling films in the 90s um and it's like like joe said like this john candy's performance has like it's cool emotional ranges of funny to like sad like silently sad character and it's just like fuck yeah that's great um yeah don't think too hard about this like i did not that i thought too hard but i mean it's like it (laughs) just it's one of those things add brain just found tangent and it just kept going throughout my day as i was grocery shopping you know it's just like huh um don't apply that apply that same logic to Home Alone either, because that falls apart in seconds. Oh, instantly. That kid would have just been shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like like you don't think Joe Pesci I seen what Joe Pesci can do to a man's skull. I mean <laughs> like um, on a fishing trip. But no, it's uh yeah, it's one of those like I can see how this is wholesome. This isn't wholesome for me. I, no, that let me rephrase that. It's just not my couple tea like i don't i don't need to feel i don't feel like i need to rewatch this every fucking season i don't i didn't have that strong emotional attachment to it um but i know i have nothing against anyone who does like i can you guys sound like you got a lot of enjoyment out of it and i'm happy for you guys and i'm glad that i can now check this off like it is something i think someone needs to see and i think who if you see it it you can decide which side you're on and uh, not that there's any war inside or anything and that's it i think some people really get, would get a lot of this uh out of out of this i'm ranting so much i just have to say one thing okay and give that it a is, grade and break our old hearts <laughs> did um no, did you guys see the final end credit scene which I was I not did. expecting. I did, the after credit scene, which I don't think I've ever... I've seen this movie, like, in the double digits, and I don't think I ever knew there was a post credit scene. I was oh. curious about that. I wondered if you guys... Because I just let it kept playing, because I had yeah, another I did, movie I lined up. I finally see it this time. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, oh, that's funny. This has an end credit scene, and I'm... Uh, it's, like, a little ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's poster, dude still trying to figure it out <laughs> and it's well, like... that, actually john hughes did a couple of movies like that i mean even ferris bueller yeah. has a post-credit scene i think he's it got does, post-credit yeah. scenes in a couple things so yeah i don't, don't right. know why i never realized this one had one but um but actually, ferris uh, bueller has a few it does and then deadpool ripped off of it anyways uh my final grade is uh out of the goodness of my heart i'll, I'll give this a, a b yeah, well, B plus for John Candy. I'm giving it a B plus for John Candy. John Candy's the plus. So there, I'll say that. Anyone else? I, Joe. Joe. I, I'm an, I, this this is one like I said. I saw it when I was really little and seen 
clips and bits of it here and there, but this was the first time in many, many years that I sat down and watched the whole thing. And of course, if you're watching it from kind of more of a critical eye, you notice things, and yeah, there's some narrative issues here, but it, to be honest, it, it's a common thing with a lot of uh, John Hughes films. Um, you know, kind of like we talked about before. But overall, I, I think it still has... It's a bit dated in the way that it's telling the story, but it still works for the most part. John Candy's great. I think we really missed out on more uh, Candy and Martin teaming up because they they really play well off of each other. Though I could see the same thing happening with like a Spade Farley thing where the, the angry dude versus lovable, you know, fuck up um, could get tiring after a while. So yeah. maybe there were just limited outings for these these two, but this one was pretty good. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with an A minus on it. I I don't I agree with Ryan. I don't, if you're a kind of person who you need to watch this one every year, I get it. If you don't, yeah, I get it too. But it's still it's pretty damn good. Plus, I want to give it a lot of points too for uh, John Hughes's first film away from like the teen movies, and uh, showed that you can still tell a, a good story even if. You're asking your audience to either not think about certain things or make shit up as they go. Um, yeah, it's, good movie it's, if you don't think about it. it, it well, there's a lot of movies like that that are really good if you just don't. I think, think about most them. movies, yeah, are like that. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, but I think this one's a lot of fun. The scene where when Steve Martin goes off at the travel agency, uh, travel car agency, is like yeah. that is cinema classic right there. No, that is a fucking cinema, fucking classic, fucking, fucking scene. So, like. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the A minus on this one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I. This is gonna be another one where I, I do acknowledge that separating a critical analysis of this film from my nostalgia for it is difficult, because it's one I certainly grew up watching, and enjoying. You know. Not not every year. Like I said, it's been the better part of a decade, if not more, than I've actually sat down to watch it. But I certainly have seen it many times in my life. Um, it is definitely a classic in my book. And, and most of that comes from not just my nostalgia, but I think from the pairing, like you were mentioning, of Steve Martin and John Candy. That just makes this movie. Pretty much you could put them through about anything... Um, narratively in this thing. And just the way that they play off of each other is just going to continue to be charming and fun maybe it wouldn't have worked in a, in a subsequent movie i would have liked to see him try it out but hey we don't we at least we have this to go back to right so yeah. uh when it comes to thanksgiving movies like um this one is essential by default because there just really aren't that many <laughs> like what i would think of as thanksgiving movies and this one's pretty good so it gets that that title you know that moniker just by default um Although it wasn't ranked number one on that list that I, the Rotten Tomatoes list, it was actually number three. So anyway, whatever. Huh. Um, number one, number one in my book, even even more than that Charlie Brown thing. So uh, yeah, I, <laughs> and I really really go back to this because I am you know growing up when I grew up a big fan of John Candy's, and I I believe this is one of my favorite performances of his and a, and a favorite character, and just because I really think he acts his ass off in this movie, like. It's it's not just a comedy performance. He gives a lot of a lot of you know himself to this role, and it's just you you can see that, and it, it just it, I don't know. It's just a really really great performance, really good movie, still funny, 
still like frustrating and relevant when it comes to travel. So I think it aged fairly well for an '80s movie. Um, narratively, sure, it's got it's got its things, but I think everything John Hughes did, uh, you know, all the John Hughes comedies, if you start to you know really break them down, they're they're pretty much all kind of flash and not a lot of substance when it comes down to it. But, you know, it is what it is. And for just, just the sheer seasonal feels that this movie gives me, I think I'm going to give this one an A. I think it's I think it's up there. It's uh, one of those I, I, I will revisit. I don't know if yearly, but I certainly will revisit again in my, in my life. So, cool. Yeah. Uh, right. We would love to know what any of our listeners think. Uh, is planes, trains, and automobiles on your annual viewing list for Thanksgiving? Or if you're outside of the U.S., do you not give a shit? Um, because it's a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons right. we probably don't have a lot of them. But we'd love to know your thoughts on uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. And you can share those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms with us at the Video Junk Air Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod. Or find us on Facebook at the main Video Junk Air Podcast page or the Video Junk Air Podcast group. We would love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, uh, Video Junkyard Podcast does have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. We have uh, multiple options of ways that you can uh, donate to the show, uh, which all obviously come with wonderful perks and uh, just help us to pay for uh, hosting costs and production costs and such like that. So every everything we collect goes straight back into creating more podcasts. And uh, would appreciate if you check that out. But uh, either way, we appreciate you being here and listening to the Video Junkyard podcast. We, as always, and uh, <laughs> as always when I remember, want to thank our uh, current patron, uh, David Andrews. And uh, thank you for uh, your donation to the Video Junkyard podcast. You uh, make all of this possible literally because you are picking our movies for us at this point. So. Um, he's our new boss now. <laughs> yeah, he's running the show around. He's here. literally paying but, us. <laughs> so next week we are going to take a look at Dune, and no, not the new fancy uh, Dennis Villanueva uh, Dune film that uh, just came out. We're going to look at David Lynch's 1984 film uh, version of Dune, uh, followed by that classic Rob Schneider vehicle, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Um, it's a good way to start off December, I think. Yeah, that's just gets you in the spirit for a, a merry December. And uh, we're going to follow that up with uh, Michael Douglas' uh, movie The Game. And um, somebody suggested we do some uh, a Dean Koontz adaptation, so I dug up what was supposed to be the best one of those. We're going to look at Odd Thomas, which I've not seen. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to march into Christmas time. So, got any great Christmas time ideas? Shoot us an email with what's your favorite off the wall uh off the beaten path christmas movie because i would uh would love to check those out too so cool yeah that's it we want to thank you once again for listening to the video junkyard podcast and we hope if you enjoyed it you'll also share it around and until next time i'm joe peterson i'm eric Branson, and i'm ryan sasko from all of us saying happy fucking thanksgiving and i really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there and i really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face i want a fucking car right fucking now 
You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word I want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard <laughs> <laughs>